Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi guys, David here. Just got to start this episode of The Thistle um, with a big apology from us, I'm afraid. We know we've put you through the mill um, with our sound quality as we've been getting the hang of this podcast game. But just as we've got the hang of it, we fuck up again and unfortunately we've lost the core audio file for today's episode. So what we've done is we've just put up the audio which comes straight through the laptop It's not the best, but it's certainly not unlistenable, and I actually don't think it's the worst we've ever given you guys. Um, Stick with us. We're getting better at this, and we love doing it, so um, I hope you enjoy the episode. Cheers. Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. How are you guys doing? It is a Wednesday evening, and I'm joined, as always, by Alan. Hello. And Matt. Hello. How is everybody out there? As always, you can follow us on the ACAST podcast app, iTunes, or on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. Uh, we've got a really exciting uh, episode for you guys today. We have just finished having a really good chat with Adam Ash, Glasgow and Scotland uh, back rower with some really, really good insights, particularly into Vern and uh, Gregor Townsend having played under both. Um, if you're listening to us, you must quite like us. You're coming back. So if you're doing that, please get onto iTunes and leave us a review, uh, which really helps us get up the charts and get our names out there a bit. Much like, uh, you guys are going to really like this one, much like our friend DM1971 uh, said this week, he or she said, if you don't have time to listen to other rugby pods, go for this strategically recorded towards the end of the week so the guys can rob opinions and comments from other podcasts rather than having their own thoughts. 
highlight is whining Alan for no other reasons than he seems to have a clothes peg constantly on his nose and tries to be controversial. However, it gets me to the station. <laughs> I've got a theory about that one. I think that's probably Stephen Jones. Yeah, he's coming back. He's personally picked me over the, over the pod. But no... Pretty cruel. <laughs> I'm gonna get gonna get one of those people to like scrub my social media of all sort of negative comments, so I don't have to read it. It was a real hit on sort of Monday morning at work to see that written about you. I think I've only noticed now, but you, you are quite nasal. I mean, look, it's a genetic condition. Leave me alone. Is it a genetic co- uh, condition to be mildly controversial as well? <laughs> Probably yes. <laughs> But not as controversial as Stephen Jones, that's for sure. I don't know if any of you saw his Lions squad at the weekend. I think no Stuart Hogg, Luke Charteris was in, and I think he said the closest Scottish lock to the squad was old Jim Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally unbelievable. It was it was the most bizarre squad in the world. Um, Sean Maitland had made his way in there instead of um, Seymour Gareth Davies, who's not even played in the tournament. Charteris, I don't think he's really played. <laughs> he's he's the king troll. He is yeah. the king troll. It's that review is either Stephen Jones or David Denton. It's one of the two. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure who, but I'll work it out. Our well registered enemies of the pod and Alan, <laughs> Alan Little coming out to get us. Um, as we say, guys, we've got. Um, Three issues um, for the week. Um, we're going to first have a look, uh, a review of the Six Nations, have a look at the Scotland, how Scotland came through that, and have a little bit of a look at the legacy of Vern Cotter. And then we're then going to play you our chat with Adam Ash. And then our third one, we're going to have a look at the um, Scotland squad looking into the summer tours. Um, but how about a wrap-up of some news? Um, really good news for Edinburgh fans today. Um, WP now, three-year contract signed um, with Edinburgh. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, obviously really good news. Um, such an important player for, for both Edinburgh and, and Scotland. Um, there's a bit of chat that he was sort of attracting attention from, from south of the border in France, but really happy that he's, he's re-signed. And I just really hope that it's sort of a, a statement of intent from Edinburgh and this allows them to you know, sign contracts to the best players and also make some, some big signings. So I think that's what they really need going into the next season. Uh, no, absolutely. He's going to fit perfectly into Cockrell's squad. Um, do you think giving someone, I know he's been pretty injury prone recently, do you think giving him sort of three-year contract is a wise move for Edinburgh? I think it's probably just what the SIU had to do. If the rumours are to be believed and with a player of that calibre, he probably was attracting sort of big uh, big offers elsewhere. And I think if you, you just you have to sort of tie him down on the, on the long term to get a guy like that to stay. Um, and I bet Cockerell had a bit a bit to do with that mm. as well. I think he is the sort of player that Cockerell will love and he'll want to build a team um, around a strong scrum because uh, he always has. So there's good news for Edinburgh, bad news for uh, Glasgow fans and particularly Alan, Sean Lamont announcing his uh, his retirement. He generally was my favourite player <laughs> <laughs> for like five years. Well, I have such a strong memory of him scoring those two tries against France in the 2006 Six Nations, mm. actually the same day I broke my ankle at, <laughs> at McDonald's. Um, but no, I mean, obviously, 105 caps. I, I don't think he's ever taken a foot, a step back in any game for Scotland or 
Glasgow. And no, sad to see him go. It was always sort of mm. the hope of the slightly low-skilled centre <laughs> in Scotland that you might someday make it. But yeah, no, good on him. I think he, came, he comes across really well in interviews. And uh, yeah, sad to see him go. It's quite easy to forget as well that he had, he had a pretty varied career. Like played at um, Glasgow two spells, and in between that was at Northampton, where he had a really good try scoring record, and Lanethe as well, where it sounds like he became a bit of a, a crowd favourite. So fair play to him. Yeah, you just ruined the first question of my Sean Lamont. <laughs> oh no, that is absolutely fine. Cool. <laughs> That is that is all right. More um, more bad news for Glasgow fans. Um, Hugh Jones having a hamstring injury. Um, he's going to be out for about five months. Will that affect his um, arrival at the Warriors? Uh, no, not at all. I don't think because we were under the impression that he wasn't joining Glasgow until so August September. So hopefully he will be just coming mm. straight into the squad. And actually, Stormers have been the ones who've been massively mm. shafted by mm. this. Yeah, I suppose you're right. But I, what it does do is he was being mentioned as a sort of outside um, chance bolter for the Lions. That's obviously definitely not happening, um, which I think is going down the Swanee with a lot of um, Scotland players' hopes of touring down to New Zealand. Um, good news, Brian. <laughs> young Brian, young 22-year-old Brian has turned 23. He's looking, uh, looking as young as always. Yeah, I think so. I, I thought you were going to try and pronounce the second in there, but I think that's pretty much impossible. Um, Anna Nanusi or something like that? We might get in trouble again from the Glasgow Warriors guy <laughs> mispronouncing names. Uh, yeah, turn 23. I, I think the issue here is that he does not have a birth certificate. <laughs> so maybe we can start some sort of trust or petition to, to get Brian a birth certificate. Justice for Brian. If we get him one, could, he play for, could we get him a Scottish one? Could he play for, play for Scotland, right? He doesn't have a small cap. So mm. technically, he could play for Scotland in two years' time. So, <laughs> <laughs> Big Brian would be in his prime at twenty-five as well. Exactly. Unless he is, in fact, about forty years old. <laughs> which I, which I by which time, I reckon all this rugby is going to be uh, is going to be not good for him. But uh, happy birthday, Brian! Um, and then another funny uh, little bit of news: former Edinburgh legend Piers Francis <laughs> has moved to uh, Northampton. Yeah, this is a really amazing turnaround considering when Piers Francis was at Edinburgh a few years ago, he was absolutely shocking. <laughs> so signed from the ITM Cup, but but he was English, which I think people are a bit suspicious about. He's not even a Kiwi. They can accept it if he's, a, if he's a Kiwi. But he was just terrible. But to be fair to him, since then, he's, he's gone back to New Zealand. He's worked his way into the, the Blues Super 15 squad and coached by Tana Umaga. He's a pretty good coach, of a uh, pretty good judge of talent. And got what I presume is a pretty big money move to Northampton. And there are actually some people talking about him as a potential candidate for England standoff, which just seems absolutely crazy. I mean, that is bonkers. <laughs> I mean, that is literally bonkers. But um, no, I mean, good on him. So see what happens. Yeah, fair play, Piers. Crack on down there. Um, right, so we have a look back at what the, the tournament that was and what it was for Scotland. I don't think we probably need to spend too much time uh, on the Italy game. A pretty efficient but not um, outstanding bonus point win at the weekend, which set us up with a chance of finishing uh, second in the table. Results didn't go our way. But I think what would serve us better is having a look back at... Um, at Scotland and the tournament as a whole and where we've come. Um, so, Matt, why don't you give us your initial thoughts on um, where Scotland are at? Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier and I was thinking I'd sort of give it a, a, a 
rating out of 10 and actually came out with an 8. Um, and I think that's a mix of, you know, three wins for the first time in quite a long time. And I think that normally if we get two or three wins, it's through sort of scraping home um, on a dour afternoon and then beating Italy on the last day in a tight match. But the fact that we put in some really good performances, and I think every win that we had, you know, Ireland, Wales and Italy, were all good performances in different ways. Um, And I think that obviously France and England weren't ideal. Um, I think France, we we suffer from injuries and, and England still thinks a bit of an aberration. Um, and also, I think the fact that we, you know, broke our record for for tries. We we won our games in in style. I think that you know, overall, it looks really positive. I'm going to refrain from being too controversial, <laughs> or at least trying to be too controversial. Can't do anything about the nasaling, sadly. Um, <laughs> nasaling. I think it's, it's a weird one. I think um, basically all the teams in Six Nations aren't. 100% happy with the, the tournament and so much of the campaign for Scotland the sort of first win against Wales over 10, for over 10 years win against Ireland three wins which I think so we haven't had for 10 years so most tries we've ever had in the Six Nations so looks really really great but just that England performance just leaves such like a bitter taste mm. in the mouth and it's quite hard it's, it's really annoying. I, I still feel like it's quite hard to kind of look past that, that when it really came to that one big game that we, we really, really were found wanting. Um, but in terms of sort of development, I think it's very clear to see that since sort of Vern Cottitude charged 2014? 13. 13. Um, you've been able to see development each year, and that's still sort of continuing. So I... I'm I'm really really looking forward to the summer tour. I think hopefully we'll have most of the squad together and get like a good good run out and aim for three wins against Australia, Italy, and Fiji. Mm. And then going into sort of the 20, 2018 Six Nations, I think England and France at home. If we're looking to really push for uh, for first or second, that's kind of the the two games we want mm. at home. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I think. I was quite interested to hear what uh, Eddie Jones said about the, his England squad development looking towards 2019. And he said there's sort of three phases, the initial two years, then the following two years, and then a the three year, three months before the tournament. And I think if you look at where Vern's taken us over the last two years, Scotland have now got a very good on their day sort of and strong starting 15 with competition in, let's say, the back row and the centres, maybe sort of looking into the back three as well. I think what I'd like to see and what I think Scotland need to do to be competitive and continue to be competitive is to bring through more players so we've got more strength and depth and we've got at least a couple of players in every position that you think on their day they can really step up and do a job. I think counter, obviously, was a very difficult time for our front rows, but hopefully you get Will and Nell coming back and Dickinson coming in and then you've got guys like Gordy Reid, Sander Ferguson, um, Alan Dell, and even Simon Bergen to to a certain degree, although I don't think he'll ever quite make it. You've got guys with an awful lot of international experience stepping up to that plate. So I think it's going to be about seeing what Gregor Townsend can do to fill those positions. Who is going to be competing for those starting spots? Because I think for the first time in a long, long time, as we've seen with those wins against Ireland and Wales, and a good win against Italy, and a, and a pretty solid performance against France. We have got, for the first time, a starting 15, but can we build to a squad of 24 or 30 
um, which can make us be competitive over a long period, in particular at a World Cup. But it goes back to the club issue again. We've only got mm. two clubs. Yeah. And, you know, we've managed to do pretty well at the moment because we've got one club that is a top quality side. Mm. But when you've only got the two clubs, it's just so hard to build that depth without... And we're actually doing okay at the moment because we are sort of slowly sending players. Players are sort of moving to England to sort of build up, build up our depth. But it just comes back to do we, do we need another region to help mm. sort of um, drive that process? Because at the moment... You're right, we do have that strong 15. If everyone's fit, maybe sort of a strong 18, 19. But once you move past that, past that, uh, it really starts to drop off a cliff quite considerably. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, was, I was sort of thinking about it this, and the, the problem positions, I think, are primarily standoff, in terms of backup, standoff, um, fullback, and I think number eight as well. I think that we, without Strauss, um, we sort of lack a big ball carrier. Ryan Wilson had a very good tournament, I thought, but he is, I think, more of a six or a seven, sort of playing a bit of a makeshift eight and carrying. He just, particularly against England, just couldn't make any headway. Um, I think standoff, obviously, Russell's nailed on. But beyond that, I just I don't see Weir as a long-term option. Jackson, same same thing. Hasn't been playing that well. Hasn't been getting much game time at Harlequins. And then 15, obviously, Hogg's nailed on. But beyond that, I suppose you sort of you could put Sean Maitland there. Um, you've got Kinghorn maybe coming through at Edinburgh, but I think those are positions that we really need to to nail down. And hopefully the the Aussie tour. I don't think it should be thought of as as a development tour, but hopefully a few players can sort of put their name in the hat, particularly if the likes of Hogg are are going on the Lions. But but looking at the squad and the games that we've we've just seen, who who would you guys pick out as your um, as your one sort of outstanding performance uh, performer for Scotland across the uh, the tournament? So I think my one outstanding performance, just because it sticks in my head, was Strauss against France. Mm. In yeah. terms of your, I think as a pack we really struggled against France and England, and against that Fran- French team, Strauss just properly stepped stepped yeah. up, and he was really sort of. The man driving that team forward. Mm. I think in terms of the tournament, I think you've got your like, you've got your Hogs, you've got your Russells. Hamish Watson mm. completely stepped up to play and sort of proved he's an international player. And then I, I still think Xander Ferguson yeah. had a really really good tournament. I know he struggled in the scrum, but in terms of the loose play, sort of showed that he's able to cut it at this level. Yeah, that was going to be my standout performance was um, when Hamish Watson actually came on um, after John Hardy totaled himself against against Wales. That sort of complete turnaround in Scotland's fortunes, I think the way in which he was combative and just clever and brilliant at the ruck, really nullifying um, Warburton and Tipperick, who'd had it all their own way in the first half. Um, I completely agree with you on uh, Fagerson as well. I think you can say anything you want about Finn and and, uh, and Hogg. It's all been said before. I think Richie Gray, it was great to see Richie mm. Gray coming back to a bit of prominence after um, after sort of going a little bit quiet and everyone talking about Johnny. I think if those two, if, if the whole thing is that those two spur each other on, that is a great thing for Scotland because it used to, Johnny was putting in some amazing performances. Now Richie seems to be back. I mean, can can Johnny sort of step back up now he's back in the Glasgow jersey and sort of looking towards that that summer tour? Matt, what do you think? Um, yeah, well, as you say, it seems as if Johnny was the one sort of getting all the plaudits for a long time, just that incredible work rate and 
I think although he seems like quite a quiet guy, I think he's a bit of a leader on the pitch as well. Um, but it was great to see Richie step up. Um, I think if we're sort of mentioning the the Lions, it's just such a competitive position, and I I actually think that unfortunately in the Johnny had a good tournament, but in the England game, I thought he had a pretty anonymous game, and I thought he was just completely overpowered by those those sort of big, slightly more dynamic English locks. So I think his stock has actually fallen quite a lot, whereas Richie's from probably a lower point has has increased. Um, I think. Quite interesting discussion from the whole Six Nations is the performance of, of Finn Russell. Obviously, I think what's sticking a lot of people's minds is his sort of capitulation against England, where fair play, he had some pretty bad ball, but didn't do very good things with it. But actually, if you look at the sort of the Six Nations team by statistics that they come out with, um, I don't know how they measure it, but he's got in as the number 10 ahead of Sexton and Bigger. Um, Planet Rugby coming out with their Lions watch um, today are picking him. So I still think he's definitely in with with a big shout. Um, and I still think he can do something that a lot of the other 10s can. Yeah, I agree. I saw his kicking percentage was 88%, mm. including the absolute shocker against France <laughs> when, he, um, when, he, when he missed it in front of the post. I, I think the Lions tour is a year too early for Finn. I think he might go. Mm. I think he might go, but I, I think Sexton's nailed on for ten. I, th- I think he's he's beaten um, New Zealand. He's beaten England in the big game this year. I think if he, with him in ten at Farrell at twelve, I mm. think the that's that's a ten twelve partnership that you sort of trust to sort of really step up in the big games. One of one of the interesting things though was at the start of the Six Nations, we chatted a lot about the strength and depth that we have in the centres. And I think we do have a lot of strength and depth, obviously Dunbar, Bennett, Scott, Jones, Horn. But I think if you look at the backs, they were probably the weakest overall mm. when you compare it to Russell, the wingers, mm. Hogg. And specifically in attack, there wasn't we weren't offering that much through the centres. I know Hugh Jones obviously picked up two tries against um, against England, but do you, do you think that's somewhere they might... I know obviously Hugh Jones is out, but do you think that's somewhere we need to look to bring someone else in? Scott looked, Matt Scott looked pretty good when he came off the bench. Um, Duncan Taylor's just coming back. I mean, do you think if you if you, if you had everyone fit, would you still stick with that Dunbar-Jones 12-13 combo? Um, I think I would, actually. I think that they provide a load of defensive solidity. I thought, maybe apart from the England game, they had a complete <laughs> are you, disaster. Are you <laughs> no, but to be fair, apart from the England game, which I, I don't know what happened, they were really secure. Like Alex Dunbar's stats before that must have been um, pretty impressive. And I think Hugh Jones is just used to playing against Southern Hemisphere New Zealand attack, so he can deal with things. Um, I actually think that maybe it was just the style of Scotland's attack that they were keen to get it out into the wide channels, into the hands of, of Hogg and, and Seymour et al. Um, and actually, if you looked at a few of the tries, particularly in the Ireland game um, and in the Welsh game, the sort of dummy runs, that dummy lines that Hugh Jones and, and um, Dunbar Ram were actually pretty important. Um, one guy you didn't mention there was Duncan Taylor, who hasn't been fit, but you know, could could come back into the reckoning. Um, and he maybe offers a bit more of a sort of direct running threat whilst being a very good defender. So it's good to have those options there. And yeah, Matt Scott, once again, can clearly, he's very creative, maybe with, without that sort of defensive solidity. But um, you, you never know on the tours. Maybe a chance to experiment slightly. 
Yeah, and I think it, it, it's going to be a tour which it probably means because of the uh, the way the Lions squad looks like it's shaking up, unless it's something different. There is going to be an awful lot of those first choice Scotland uh, guys available. It could be sort of the majority of the squad. Let's say minus uh, minus Hog seems to be the only person that's actually nailed on to be going. So we could see. I think it should be used as a different partnership because I think it's we're playing Italy, Fiji, uh, Fiji and Australia. Yeah. So it's a bit of a varied tour, very varied tests across that. But we're going to come onto that um, after we um, have a chat with um, Glasgow and Scotland number eight, Adam Ash. Um, so enjoy that, guys. Uh, so, listeners, delighted to say we're joined on the line by Adam Ash. Adam, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on tonight. No, nah, mate, not at all. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us. Um, what have you been up to today? Uh, not too much on a day off today. Um, this morning was kind of quiet, lunchtime. Uh, I met up with my buddy Grayson Hart. We had a few things to do, uh, a few phone calls to make, and, uh, and then just kind of messing around in the afternoon. Not not too much, it's been quite a quiet day. We was doing a bit of DJing about half an hour ago. I had the old uh, Instagram live up. Uh, oh, yeah? Your tunes, so that was good fun. How many, uh, how yeah, many people did you get coming on to you on your in Instagram live? Oh, not much. I don't have many followers, so I mean, it was maybe, I well, think there, there'll be like 20 or 30 guys on there. Well, there you go, guys. There's your next Instagram follower. Get on Adam Ash, not just a rugby player, <laughs> DJ as well. They're <laughs> me. <laughs> but what did you, uh, what did you make of the uh, the climax of the Six Nations at the weekend? Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it. I mean, it was um, a fantastic win from, from Scotland in our last game. Obviously, the, the two other results didn't go our way. Uh, yeah, I mean that's just uh, one of those things. I mean, it, pro- it probably couldn't have went any worse for us in terms of the other two results. Mm. But it was uh, it was an exciting last day, of the Six Nations, and and I know that um, the the guys in the Scotland squad were all all pretty pleased to finish finish with a good win and then send uh, send Vern off a a happy man. I'd like to think. Yeah, well, they, they must all be back in, uh, come, come back to training this week. Are they kicking around in Glasgow and sort of giving you good feedback from their uh, the time with the national team? Yeah, they've, um, they've all been back in at Warriors and, and it's, been, it's been good to catch up with them all. It's, uh, it's a funny period, Six Nations, you know, we often don't see the guys that go away for, you know, a good two and a half months, so it's been good to catch up with them all again and, and have them back in. Uh, the, most of them have been training with us this week, so... Um, yeah, I mean, they, they all seem to be pretty pretty high after a reasonably strong campaign, um, but it's uh, always good to catch up with them after a while of being away. And obviously, um, you know, Ver- Vern Cotter, you could see him in tears at the at the end of the Italy game. Um, he, he gave you your first cap. What was your sort of um, experience of being coached underneath him? Yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough to, to get my first cap under Vern and... Um, I suppose, you know, Vern as a coach, he's, uh, he was pretty good for me. You know, when he played, he was a back rower. And, right. And he had a lot of, um, he, he had a lot of advice and, and um, he always gave me a lot of feedback on my game and my training and it was always fantastic. You know, at one stage, you know, I think after I'd got a few caps and whatnot, a few of the boys were were winding me up saying that Vern was my dad. <laughs> but uh, no, he was, he, he's, he's a really good guy, you know, and he's, he's, his heart's just in the right place. He, he's, he's a man with a lot of passion. 
Um, he wants to do well. He wants to win. He's, he's a tenacious guy. And you know, I, I'm really. I was thinking the other day. It crossed my mind actually when the, the kind of the camera was on him after after his game. You could see there was a tear in his eye, and it and it did. You know, it kind of brought me back to thinking about the time when when I got my first cap, and it, it was brilliant, and it, and it brought back a, a load of good memories. And and I'm really thankful of that. And I'm sure you know, Bern moving on now, he, he's he's only going to grow as a coach. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and obviously you're playing at, playing at Glasgow underneath Gregor. I mean, when he steps up, what, what are they like? What's the differences between the two of them? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And their sort of coaching styles? Um, they're they're, they're, They're pretty similar. I mean... For me, from what I can remember, when when playing playing for Scotland, it probably wasn't as structured as as playing at Glasgow. And I know from from looking on at Glasgow, from looking on as a fan, you probably think that Glasgow. You would see that Glasgow are a team that throw the ball around mm. quite a lot. But yeah, you would. And amongst all of that, we we really do. We have quite a we've got a solid structure in place, and um, and a lot of that is is, is practiced and trained. Uh, and the hard yards are done with that in training. So, I mean, from what I can remember, the the Scotland when I played for Scotland, it, it was a little bit, there was a little bit less structure involved in it. And I think um, Gregor Gregor likes to work with a little bit more structure. Um, and, and I think that that would be one of the the main differences that I can I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> it was a couple of years since I last played mm. for Scotland mm. under but yeah, I would say say that was the main one. Class and uh, so th- this weekend um, got Connet. Are you you going to be involved at the weekend? You might see me uh, on the team <laughs> sheet. Uh, the team <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Oh, How yeah. you feel? It's been a, as you say, it's a funny period. It's been quite a quite a tough period on on the park for Glasgow results wise. So how are you guys feeling coming out of the Six Nations with Connet at the weekend, and then that massive fixture against Saracens in uh, in two weeks' time? Yeah, it has. It's been a it's been a tough um, a tough period throughout the Six Nations. Um, you know, this year, I think it, I think it was pretty difficult. We, for me, we, we lost we lost a few players over the years, international players that we had through um, had through the Six Nations, and, and and these are guys that are extremely influential players. So yeah. um, it, it was tough seeing not, not having them to, to kind of help the the depth of the squad, but you know. I actually thought a lot of the a lot of the young guys that are, are coming up through and getting opportunities in Glasgow, they're they're doing really they're doing really well and they're, they're stepping up. I mean, we were unfortunate. To, I think it was we had three three losses in a row. Or, um, 
so you know it was a difficult time but you know we're certainly we're certainly looking to, to finish the season strong and, and you know the guys will be back from the Scotland squad they'll, they'll bulk up the squad again and and you know we're we're excited you know it's been a good mm. week training having everyone back in and it's uh, and I think we're all feeling pretty good mm. you, you mentioned the young guys it seems as if Glasgow have done a really good job bringing bringing them through and what what do you think sort of the secret to that and and what guys would you sort of um, outline as, as some of the most promising guys that are you know are just about to break through um, I don't know I don't know exactly how to put my finger on it but I suppose I suppose when when youngsters are growing up and they're looking at a club and, and they see that young guys are sort of coming through the system and doing well you know I guess that is kind of infectious in a way you know it's uh, you know it's, it's good it's good to see that you know we've got guys like Lewis Wynn uh, Matt mm. Smith, Scott yeah. Cummins, who's played a good few games now. You know these these are all just kind of guys in the forwards, but um, it's fantastic to see them coming through, and and they're all you know extremely hardworking players. And not only that, but you know these these guys that are coming out of academies are only getting they're only getting better athletes. You know, mm. we're getting guys that are so strong, so fit, so fast. So you know these guys are gonna you know in the years to come they're going to play a massive part in the club's development and. Um, and that side of things. So, um, yeah, I think you know, there's definitely a good few guys to look out for mm. over the years. Obviously, um, per- personally, you've, you've sort of you come back from injury now. Um, you know, what what was that like, sort of going through the whole rehab process, and and how, how have you felt since you've come back to the pitch? So, sort of returning with a, a good good score in, in Italy when you came back, which must have been brilliant. Yeah, it was. Um, that was awesome. But you know, I got I had my my toe operated on at the end of last season after the Connacht game over there, the semi-final where we lost. Got got my toe operated on after that game, and you know that that was going to keep me out for up to six months. And you know, sort of halfway through that, um, a hip problem that had been bothering me for a while, you know, was wasn't settling down like we thought it would. So you know, we thought the best thing to do would go in and get that operated on. So I mean, that was another. So uh, I think it was seven months I was out in total. So obviously missed quite a bulk of, of rugby mm. um, through that period. But um, you know, you know, it's, it's obviously we want to be playing rugby as rugby players. But the, you know, I had quite a big realization over that period of time, and and you know, I, I really grew as a person over that that stint I had off the pitch. Um, so I, I personally see it as quite a positive thing, even though I wasn't able to do the thing that, mm. you know, I love rugby. Um, so, you know, it's, it was great to get back out there after a long time off the pitch and, and you're always uh, raring to go after quite a while out. And, uh, you know, be, the last few weeks have been a bit unfortunate. I got a head knock, my first ever mm. concussion that I've had and that kept me out for a few weeks. I had some symptoms, ongoing symptoms after that, but um, I'm, I'm good to go now. So, you know, hopefully we can just get up a solid run and get some good rugby under under my belt. Ah, good stuff. So, was it during that that time when you were out that um, that you and Grayson Hart sort of came together and started talking about the thing, the stuff that you talk on your uh, on your podcast about? Yes, it was. So, um, it must have been about you know we must have started the podcast up in about September, October, and uh, and really since then, you know. Uh, We've just uh, we've just really grown this thing, and, and you know we've came across something that we feel is extremely important, and um, 
and it is of it can be of massive impact to people. Mm. So for people that sorry sorry Adam, for people that uh, aren't aware, what what exactly is it that you and Grayson are working on on the pod? Yeah. So around uh, around about around about a year ago, I came across some work. Um, you know, time in my life where I wasn't feeling too good. You know, the the stresses of everything and um, rugby and whatnot, and um, you know, it was probably a what a difficult time in my life. And I came across um, I came across a book by a guy who's a, a guy who's now a friend of mine. And um, and what what this book was about and what it was pointing to is is this sort of uh, psychological understanding that that now we share. Um, and it was literally, you know, there was one stage where um, I can remember watching a video by the guy who wrote the book, and it was online watching his video, and and he, and he said something, and it was literally just like a penny dropped inside me. You know, it was like mm. it's just the most surreal thing I've ever experienced. Um, and I remember just feeling completely different. You know, it was like a whole load of thinking had just dropped away, um, and I can remember just feeling so clear for about three or four days after that, and. You know, it was like a feeling I hadn't really experienced before. Um, and then, you know, I, I kept looking in this direction. I got into contact with the, the authors and whatnot. And, you know, um, and really, really, you know, I, I had seen the impact that this stuff can have. Um, and, and really what we're talking about here is, is, is the future of psychology. It's, uh, it's, this, it's a new direction. It's uh, really what, what we're talking about here is, a logic to the a logic to the human experience has been uncovered, mm. and um, and really it was only about forty years ago it had been sort of uncovered, and and when and when there's a logic to the human experience, so there's a logic to something. There's also an illogic to something, and and what this work points to is is the fact that every single person has um, innate well being, um, and. And that's really the, the basis of this work. It's, it's extremely profound, and and I, and I feel like it's extremely important to get it out there. And I'm, and I'm trying to do that as much mm. as I can. Oh, that's, so, that's that's really 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 interesting stuff. I mean, um, but, but I think that's if you want to check out and hear more about it, what's the uh, what's the name of the pod, Adam? People can get in and have uh, a. It's it's the New Flow podcast. Um, you can get it on iTunes. Uh, there's a Facebook group. If anyone wants to join on, they can they can just fire me a message. So yeah, easy enough. Yeah, good. So, guys, get on, get on to that if you want to hear a bit more about what Adam and uh, Grayson Hart are up to. But if we can just fi- finish on a bit, a bit of rugby. Um, you feeling good about the Connacht game at the weekend? Is it going to be Glasgow win? Yeah, I mean, we're we're feeling good about it. Um, you know, it's good to have quite a lot of the guys back in from from Scotland squad. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we had a good win over there at the start of the season. So, you know, here's hoping for another one this weekend. Um, but you know they're, they're always a strong, a strong team. You know they they never stand down. Those lads, they've uh, they've got that fighting Galway blood in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. good. So, you know it'll be it'll be a good game, and hopefully we can see some some good rugby as, as the better weather starts to come in. Uh, but we're we're hoping for a big win. And what do you think? Obviously, Scotland are touring Australia this summer. Is that is that something you got your eye on? Yeah, I mean. Um, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to get back in amongst that stuff and, and get on that tour. That would be. That'd be really good. I mean, for me, it's you know, if we're just chipping away and doing the best I can, and hopefully I can um, keep fit at the same time. And 
Absolutely awesome. Thanks a lot for, for your time and uh, best of luck at the weekend and uh, hopefully see you back in a Scotland jersey soon. Oh, thank you guys. I appreciate it and it was uh, good to talk to you. Cheers, Adam. Cheers, mate. Well, that was re- really, really interesting. Matt, what did you, uh, what did you make of him? Oh, it's a great lad. Really friendly guy. I, I really like the fact that he sort of um, he didn't seem that media trained in a really good way. He was just giving honest answers and yeah, the podcast sounds really interesting. So yeah, good luck to him. Yeah, real interesting. I was quite quiet on the interview, but uh, yeah, really, really great to chat to him. So um, yeah, good on, good amount of match. Uh, do Sean Lamont quiz? Yes, yeah, yeah, let's do it. In tribute to the big man, rather than sort of the two minute silence I was originally um, <laughs> pursuing. Right. So the Sean Lamont quiz. Let's. Uh, I'll run through the the five questions, and then we'll bash through it. Yeah. Okay. So first question, who are the four clubs that Sean Lamont has played for? Question number two is, what French player did Sean Lamont hand off for one of his tries in the 06 Six Nations win? He scored one try off the back of the mall and he handed off another lad in the centre of the pitch. I think I know who it is. Number three, what rugby club did Sean Lamont do a racy calendar uh, photo <laughs> shoot for back in 2007? Now, and these, I mean, these were race picks. Oh, I've got it. Like, I think that's the calendar which earned him the nickname Schlong Lamont, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's a large pipe. <laughs> it's, it's, it's impressive. Obje- objectively speaking, I mean, it is, yeah. <laughs> objectively, it is a large <laughs> So, Sean Lamont scored 13 international tries <coughs> against <laughs> 13 international tries in 105 matches uh, against six teams. Who are those six teams? Oh my god. Give you a little minute for that. One, so against two of them, scored four. So, how do we think about that? And then your last question is. In 2004, Sean Lamont made his debut for Scotland against Samoa. Who else was in that starting 22? The whole team. Well, we'll just go back and forth until someone gets it wrong. What, okay. year, what year was it? 2004 against Samoa. Oh okay. my God. Okay. Right, first question. Four clubs. Hanny, who have you got? I've got Glasgow, obviously. I've got Northampton. I've got the Scarlets, and I know it's an English team that's not in the first division. I can say Doncaster. Any other answer, Dave? I just have guys going Northampton and Athlete. I don't have the fourth. So he started at Rotherham. Rotherham. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, came up from Rotherham. The Earth Titans. The Earth <laughs> Titans. Um, right. What French player did he hand off in the 06? 20 to 14 win at Murrayfield. I think it was a front row, and I think it was, I think it was Pete de Villiers. I've got absolutely no idea, I'm afraid. It was Freddie Michelac. 
Was it? Ah. Ah. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. What club did Sean Lamont do his racy photo shoot for? Objectively large pipe. <laughs> his objectively large pipe. Well, it's 2007, so I think that was between his Glasgow stint, so Northampton. Uh, uh, it was with it was during his Northampton Saints stint, but it wasn't for Northampton Saints. It was Stab Frontier. It was their oh. annual calendar. They'd they'd obviously <laughs> spotted the pipe and they were like, get that lad over for the Stab Frontier calendar. What's he got shipped in literally for a different club's calendar? Yeah. He's got yeah. a big day. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> oh, Jesus. International PS model, Sean Lamont. That is unreal. <laughs> Parise saw it Murray Field and was like, get that lad over. Jim, Jim Hampton does say on his pod, it's not very popular, that he, he does a thing called the um, the hot water bottle because he's got such big balls. But he, can make, <laughs> he can pull them right up over his belly button. <laughs> what? Jesus Christ. Supposedly, supposedly, that's all I've heard. Well, there we go. <laughs> right, so it is... Uh, four, two, four, five, three. Sorry, to Hanny. Right, six teams. We'll go one for one. Uh, Dave, who do you think? What teams has Sean Lamont scored international tries against? First one, France. Correct, Hanny. What have you got? Italy. Boom! He scored four against both France and Italy. Really? Yeah. Wales. He has never scored a try ah. against Wales. <laughs> Right, so four other teams that Sean Lamont scored a try against. Who have you got? Uh, Fiji. He has not scored a try against oh. Fiji. <laughs> so he's got four tries against France and Italy. He's got two against Australia. He's got one against England, which I don't remember. Um, <laughs> I, I'm blaming ESPN stats, by the way. <laughs> uh, two against Japan and one against Samoa, which I do know because he scored in that... Um, South Africa quad tournament that they oh, had I remember that, yeah. back, back in the day. Oh. Um, yeah, right. So this is just a bit of fun now because Hanny's won. But um, what if I named what if I named <laughs> the whole what if I named the whole 2004 Scotland squad? Bring it! I like that enthusiasm. <laughs> Let's not, do it. There's not a lot of chance of that happening, but right, Dave. We'll start with you. Name me some of the players from that 2004 squad. Chris Patterson. Boom, fullback and captain. Uh, Gordon Bullock. Uh, yeah, starting a hooker. Nicky Walker? No. Ah, <laughs> I was trying to go top to bottom. Okay, fine, I'll return. What have you got, Annie? Uh, Ali Hogg. Yes, starting number eight and still going strong. Um, Scott McLeod. Scott McLeod was not there, ah. sadly. Uh, Scott Murray. Yeah, starting a lot. Started with Scott. I was going to go Scott Murray. Got anyone else? Um, probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I expect so. Um, oh God, who what, what do you think about 10? Who would be playing 10 in all four? Mighty Phil? Uh, no. Too early? Uh, maybe no, I don't think so. He was obviously just going through one of his dry patches. I'll run through the squad. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. this is dry. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Patterson, Lamont, Ben Hinshelwood at thirteen, Andy Henson at twelve, 
dynamic centre pairing right there. Webster on the wing, Gordon <laughs> Ross at oh, Goxie. Yeah. Uh, Cusseter at nine, Smith, Bullock and Bruce Douglas in the front mm. row, Murray and Grimes, White, Donnie McFadden, Ali Hogg, and then we've got Steve Scott, Craig Smith, legend, on the bench, Ian Fullerton at lock, um, John Petrie, Mike Blair, Dan Parks and Hugo Southwell. Whoa. My second favourite ever Scottish player behind Sean Lamont. <laughs> Both loved wearing gloves back in the day. So <laughs> they did. There we go. So I think that was 8-3 to Matt. So. I think we can call that pretty comprehensive. Yeah. I once played um, beer pong against Donnie McFadgen at a house party. And he was at the, he was at the house party wearing a pair of jeans and... Uh, like a rugby Under Armour, like a skin, <laughs> like a skin tight Under Armour, and and a cap, and he just looked like an. I mean, he was absolutely massive, but I mean, he just looked like an absolute idiot. I think with Sam Webster being in the squad, it's a good time to bring up our sponsors. Well, it certainly could be because he is one of the most famous uh, Scottish users of Cornerstone. That is the way he gets his dome looking so uh, so tight. Um, obviously, this is the the Cornerstone razor voted by GQ the best razor. On the market, um, if you use our code at checkout, and that's on their website, cornerstone.co.uk, get on there, um, get yourself a premium engraved shaft with your three initials on it. You get six blades, um, and if you get that, you put in thistle at checkout, um, you'll get that, all of that for four quid. So get on there. It's a great opportunity to get the best um, razor on the market, and you know, use it on your face. Or use it on your head like um, like Simon Webster does. So there we go. Um, right, guys, should we crack on? Let's have a look um, forward. We're going to be back next week because we're going to uh, Alliance Park to uh, watch Glasgow Saracens. So we'll do a, a preview show um, or something around that big match next week. But we thought we'd take this chance to look ahead to the Scotland Tour um, in the summer. As I mentioned earlier, games against Italy, Fiji and Australia. Um, off the back of the Six Nations, um, what does this tour mean for us? It's obviously the first time Gregor Townsend is going to be as the head coach. Um, what do we expect from it? And um, how? What would, what would success look like for Scotland coming off the, the end of this tour, Matt? Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting on a number of fronts. Um, obviously, Gregor Townsend coming in. Um, it, it'd be great to see what kind of style he plays and whether it's you know hugely different to Vernon Cotter's. In a, in a way, I don't think it will be because I, I think that Scotland have to keep playing their, to their strengths, which is you know attacking at pace in the wide channels and and playing a sort of quick rucking um, offloading game in in the forwards. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how many Scots go in the Lions tour and how that affects selection because it could be a really good chance to to put some some new players through. Uh, already mentioned the likes of sort of Blair Kinghorn. Um, I think it's likely that, that sort of Damien Hoyland will tour. Um, and you never know what will happen with someone like Hamish Watson, but just the chance to see him sort of really establish himself as a as a first choice player in that team and, and a real leader. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think success. I've seen no reason why we shouldn't go down there looking to get three wins. Um, we should have beaten Australia, you know, the last couple of times we played against them. They hold no fear, and I don't think they're looking at the Super 15 at the moment. They'll, they'll get better from there, but. They don't look great shakes. They're, they're sort of key players moving to Europe or not playing very well. So I think we should be pretty confident going into it. What do you think, Alan? Yeah, I think 
I've been watching quite a bit of Super Rugby, and the Australian teams this year are really, really terrible. Like, mm. generally, of all of what well, of the three big countries performing by far the worst. Um, and I, I think you're completely right. I think we should be going down there um, looking for the three wins. It's uh, I know what we've sort of said. I don't think we have the luxury of sort of um, blooding young players on their, on these tours. But I think you're right. I think in the backs, I'd like to see Kinghorn and Hoyland both going. In the forwards, I know we sort of chatted about it earlier, the sort of lack of big ball-carrying um, back rows. I think... Obviously, we're going to, I think Magnus Bradbury will probably mm. definitely go, and it'd yeah. be good to see him get a proper run out, especially against Fiji and Italy, if possible. The one, um, the one wild card I might chuck in there, Ram, is uh, Matt Ferguson, who I know has signed a Glasgow contract and um, has been playing in a few of the games for Scotland twenties, and what I've watched has been an absolute freak. He's an absolute beast. And I think could be genuinely if he sort of follows the same development curve as um, Xander Ferguson, could be a massive sort of mainstay for um, Scotland in the back row and sort of the near future. And it, I mean, I don't think they will do it, but I'd love them to do something like the Kiwis do, where they take like a Jordy Barrett and Arnie yeah. Surveyor yeah. on a tour with them, just to kind of like get involved in that sort of team environment. Mm. Um, yeah, I think another really interesting one that we haven't mentioned before, but um, this guy Mitch Eady, who's playing at Bristol at the moment, um, and I think it's signed for Northampton next year actually and he, he played age group Scotland um, and he's based in Bristol and he's been playing for Bristol since and absolutely doing really well in the championship and obviously Bristol had a tough season this year likely to get relegated but playing pretty well um, and he really hasn't been mentioned in dispatches in terms of selection so it'd be great to see him playing on the hard grounds and, and giving a shot because he looks a, a pretty decent player. Yeah I think the great thing about this conversation is unlike most years where we'd be like well, who the hell are we going to bring? And sort of being in despair about sort of having to bring mm. Strokosh back over from Perpignan for another tour <laughs> down south. It's yeah. um, there actually is a few sort of really interesting options for sort of um, young players um, flowing around. I think, uh, I mean, against against Italy, I don't even know where this league is being played to be honest with you. But really want to try and smash smash mm. Italy away. Fiji's always an interesting one. You sort of probably end up on some sort of like terrible pitch in the middle <laughs> outside of Suba with yeah. like thirty thousand lads just all around you, and yeah. they'll have like someone like Nakawara who's just like pitched up like off like yeah. local club rugby and is like an absolute beast. Um, but no, massively looking forward to. It. I think you're right. I don't. I think as we're seeing that maybe three or four players from the Scotland squad are going to go to the Lions, and I think mm. Rego Townsend will really use it as an opportunity to sort of stamp his sort of authority on the team yeah I think so and I think it's, uh, it's one that we'll keep talking about over the uh, over the coming weeks and months I think the uh, the big dates in the diary obviously Glasgow playing against Connacht um, this weekend and then a huge weekend of European rugby next week with um, Edinburgh playing La Rochelle at Murrayfield as well so we'll be back uh, to speak to you about uh, that uh, guys I hope you've enjoyed this and our chat with uh, Adam Ash uh, thanks again for him to coming for coming on if you're still with us, why not spend an extra couple of minutes and get on iTunes, leave us a review, and we'll uh, we'll read it out on the pod. We really appreciate uh, your support. Preferably no more two-star <laughs> reviews if possible. Ideally, I mean, if you please don't slag us off. But, you know, <laughs> although, actually, to be fair, the reviews where we've been slagged off, we do read them out. So, uh, yeah, you know, funny. you've got just as good a chance, but we would prefer if, we, if you get five stars. Do you like this encourage more... 
bad reviews and <laughs> in the fourth of us reading them out. I don't know, maybe. maybe. All right, we'll, we'll see. Um, who, who, who knows who'll still be hanging around <laughs> at the end of this pod. But um, on that note, guys, have a really good uh, rest of the week. Enjoy the rugby at the weekend, and we'll catch up with you next week. Cheers. Cheers, guys. See ya. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.